hymn books, if you would. 422, 422, yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. 422 as we get started tonight. Let's sing it out to the Lord. Oh, how sweet a glorious message simple faith may claim. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. Still he loves to save the sinful, heal the sick and lame. Cheer the mourner, calm the tempest, glory to his name. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. All may change, but Jesus never glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. All may change, but Jesus never glory to his name. He who pardoned daring Peter never needs thou fear. He who came to faithless Thomas, all thy doubt will clear. He who let the loved disciple on his bosom rest, bids thee still with love as tender lean upon his breast. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. All may change, but Jesus never. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. All may change, but Jesus never. Glory to his name. He who mid the raging billows walked upon the sea, still can hush our wildest tempest as on Galilee. He who wept and prayed in anguish in Gethsemane drinks with us each cup of trembling in our agony. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. All may change, but Jesus never. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. All may change, but Jesus never. Glory to his name. Now, how many of you are reading those words that we just sang? Aren't those beautiful words? Amen. How many of you have felt Jesus? Let's see. I can't do it anymore. Uh, standing right there with you, helping you through that time of trouble. Amen. He is the same yesterday, today, forever. Let's sing that last verse as of, of old. Amen. As of old, he walked to Emmaus with them to abide. So through all life way, he walketh ever near our side. Soon again shall we behold him, hasten, Lord, today. But will still be this same Jesus as he went away. Sing it out. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. 
Form may change, but Jesus never glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. All may change, but Jesus never glory to his name. 434, he keeps me singing, amen. Even in New York City, how about that? He keeps me singing anywhere I happen to be. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee. Peace be still. In all of thy heaven flow. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing of my heart. Keeps me singing as I go. All my life was wrecked by sin and strife. Discord filled my heart with pain. Jesus swept across the broken string. Stirred the slumbering chords again. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing of my heart. Keep me singing as I go. Try it on the next chorus. Feasting on the riches of his grace. Resting neath the sheltering wing. Always looking on his smiling face. That is why I shout and sing. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing of my heart. Keeps me singing as I go. Now, come on. You can get it on the next one. Let's try that. Longing of my heart. Here we go. On the fourth. Oh, sometimes he leads through waters deep. Way. Though sometimes the path grows rough and steep. See his footprints all the way. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing of my heart, keeps me singing as I go. Soon he's coming back to welcome me, far beyond the starry sky. I shall wing my flight to worlds unknown, I shall reign with him on high. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing of my heart, keeps me singing as I go. 531. Now, how many of you are singing to the Lord Jesus Christ tonight for all your work? You ought to be getting just a little winded now. Now, get ready for this last one. I'll tell you, this is the reason why we sing, amen? We can believe in Jesus and keep believing. We don't have to give it up. He doesn't mess up. He's not going to pass a new law and change all the rules. I'll tell you what, we can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? Let's sing it out. I know not why God's wondrous grace to me hath made known. Nor why Christ in his boundless love redeemed me for his own. 
But I know my have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. I know not how this saving faith to me did impart, nor how believing in brought peace within my heart. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against the day. I know not how the Spirit was convincing men of sin, revealing Jesus through the word, creating faith in him. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. One more chance. I know not when my at night or noonday fair, nor if I walk the bay with him or meet him in the air. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded Unto him against that day. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to sing these grand hymns of the faith. And Lord, not just to sing the songs, but to know they're real and they're true. And that we live the words, or we can live the words that we're singing tonight. Lord, we just ask that you would do your work in the heart of each one here. We ask you to bless our preacher tonight, that he would preach your word with your power and your direction. Yet, Lord, we pray for the hearts of each one of us that are listening tonight, that we would listen with your power, with your direction, and with a humble heart of obedience, willing to obey your word. We ask you to bless this time in a special way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We want to welcome you to our service tonight. And uh, I guess we'll probably we'll introduce our speaker and his group in just a minute. Uh, Brother Hainline, if you'll stand, he's the missions director uh, from Heartland. We'd have them all introduce themselves with the air conditioning on. All you do is see lips moving anyway. So Brother Hainline is uh, the missions director at Heartland, and uh, he was a missionary in Kenya for 13 years, and uh, now he is in Oklahoma City. And uh, Brother Myron, if you'll stand, he's from Punka City, Oklahoma, and uh, there's a church there. He's, his church helped us buy this building. And uh, so we praise the Lord for that. And uh, then we have Josiah Jones. Uh, he's here from Heartland Baptist Bible College. You're number three of 12. So uh, they, their family's got ours beat, amen? So if you think we're weird, you see him afterwards. 
he's number three of 12 children. So uh, it does happen, not only the Montoros. Amen? And um, we got uh, Brother Kevin Primore here, and uh, he's a student, came up from Dover to Delaware to be with us here. And then we got Mike Schmidt. He's doing an internship at Brother Palman's church out on Long Island at Mastic Beach. And uh, Brother Palman's graciously allowed him to come in and swap off for two weeks and uh, be a part of our inner city missions class. You need to pray for these guys. Uh, we started classes uh, about 7 o'clock Tuesday morning. We took them out to the subway stations and made them pass out tracks. And uh, then we brought them in and... Uh, I guess we just finished uh, class hour number 28 since Tuesday morning. Uh, we have really, uh, what is it, outclassed, overclassed, something, these guys. I mean, they're, they're on information overload at this point, and, and so you pray for them. Uh, we've got all day tomorrow, all day Saturday. They'll be with us in Sunday services. Brother Hainline will be preaching uh, Sunday night, and I'm looking forward to that. And then uh, Monday, classes all day again. And uh, then we're going to take them sightseeing and on Tuesday. And uh, so you pray for them if you would. By the way, the petition company called. The petitions are coming Tuesday. They should be up before church next Thursday night. So, uh, And uh, some of you will remember... Uh, our issues with the carpet, we showed up only 100 tiles short. They're coming Monday. Uh, you guys don't know it, but we're going to be taking a break when the truck comes and uh, bringing in the carpet tile. So um, we're going to give you hands-on inner-city ministry experience. And uh, so uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So keep us in prayer if you would. And uh, we're going to teach them how to negotiate the subway. Saturday, we are going to just block off the better part of the day from about 10 o'clock in the morning to 4 o'clock in the afternoon. We're going to try to have the van hooked up and go out street preaching. Will you pray for us? We have been just really hindered uh, so far in trying to get this done. And uh, we need parking spots. We need to be able to get out. I don't want to take them on a tour of New York City parking problems Saturday. Uh, we need to get some spots where we can get set up and get going. And if you would like to come out and be a part of that, just call either me on the cell phone or call the church here, and uh, we'll tell you exactly where we are. And uh, you can come out and uh, visit with us, help us. Just be a part. If you've never seen this, it's something interesting. You'll like it. And, uh, and so we... Uh, just challenge you to, to be a part of that. And um, let me think if there's any other announcements. Yes. Uh, Elena Dawa, uh, if you would keep her in prayer. Uh, she went into the hospital last night. Uh, she, Elena, uh, Elena and Philip Dawa, she was uh, had a blood pressure reading of 200 over 180. Now, if you're our medical students or anybody knows anything about medicine, that's past dead. But uh, I saw her this afternoon and prayed with her. She's still alive. Uh, how, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how you survive that kind of blood pressure, but uh, 
she, of course, is not doing very well, and we just need to really keep Elena in prayer, if you would. She's down here at the Old Astoria General Hospital, and uh, I, I did get to slip down while Brother Rivera was teaching this afternoon, spend just a few minutes with him. So please, uh, please keep them. She said, Pastor, I really felt like I was dying. And, uh, and you just can't say much about that except we're praying. And I told her that I would tell the church and uh, we would be praying for her. And uh, so you just keep Elena in prayer if you would. And I have a, a very serious unspoken that I just need you to keep in prayer. Uh, and uh, hopefully I'll never have to give you any details, but if you just pray for it, uh, it's really important. So those are all the things that are going on. Uh, let's be a part. Be where we're supposed to be. Men will still have prayer meeting, 4 o'clock Saturday afternoon, if you're able to make that. And um, uh, so all of that. Let's take our hymn books. Let's stand one more time. And we'll sing 470, 470, Living for Jesus, 470. And then I'll introduce our speaker tonight, and he'll preach to us. Living for Jesus, a life that is true, striving to please Him in all that I do, yielding allegiance, glad heart Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to Thee, for Thou in Thine atonement didst give Thyself for me. I own no other master, my heart shall be Thy throne, my life I give henceforth to live, O Christ, for Thee. who died in my place, bearing on Calvary my sin and disgrace. Such love constrains me to answer his call, follow his leading and give him my all. O Jesus, Lord and Savior, to thee, for thou in thine atonement didst give thyself for me. I own no other master, my heart shall be thy throne. Life I give henceforth to live, O Christ, for thee alone. Living for Jesus wherever I am, doing each duty in his holy name, willing to suffer affliction and loss, can he 
Tonight we have the special privilege of having Pastor Vic Rivera here. He's from Christ Independent Baptist Church in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, we affectionately call Philadelphia the city of brotherly shove. Amen. And uh, he brought with him his assistant, Brother Dave Peterson. Did I get that right? Peter Minton. I'm sorry. I know it had something to do with my name, but I just couldn't figure out the rest of it. And then um, the principal's son is going to Heartland next year, right? And uh, so you pray for this young man. He's starting on the journey of a lifetime. And uh, let's see, Brother Hainline, it was only what? He was one year behind me at BBC, and uh, we only started Bible school about uh, 24, 25 years ago, respectively. And uh, it has been a journey of a lifetime, and a good one at that. So, Brother Rivera, you just come and preach at us tonight, all right? All right. Praise the Lord. Okay. <clears throat> Thanks, Pastor. All right. Well, this is a nice little thing. Amen. want to thank Pastor Montour for the opportunity of coming... Uh, up here and having an uh, time to meet these fellows from Harlan and uh, get a chance to preach to the church and we thank the Lord for that opportunity. I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 14. John 14. Preacher, what, what time do you normally let out? Eight thirty, son. Amen. Now, I've got a good story about that. I remember I was uh, an assistant pastor at a church in uh, Florida, 
And we had a special speaker that Sunday morning. And about uh, 12.30, he's still preaching away. And so he looks at the preacher. And my pastor says to him, uh, take all the time you want, brother. Well, about 3.30 that afternoon, he was still going. And my preacher was just about to have a heart attack. <laughs> so I learned an important lesson. Never tell a preacher, take all the time you want. And so tonight, I'll try not to do that. Amen? Amen. In John chapter 14, as soon as I find it, we'll read it. In John chapter 14, I want to read to you about uh, three verses. The title of my message is The Blessed Hope, but in reality it doesn't deal only with the blessed hope. <clears throat> I, I don't think you all stand in this church, do you, when you read the Bible? Uh, no, okay. Verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Let me just take a moment and pray and ask the Lord's help. Our gracious Father, how we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the word of God. Lord, thank you for each person that's here, and how we pray you might take the word of God tonight and stir our hearts afresh and anew. Uh, Lord, uh, you know every heart, you know every need. And so I, I, I need your help, Lord. Uh, if there's anyone here tonight that may not be born again, may not be saved, Lord, how I pray that tonight they'll be convicted of their need to receive Christ and be born again from above. And so, Lord, we ask these things and commit it to you again. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to draw your attention to what it says there in the verse number 1. It says this. It says, Let not your heart be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me. Now, what I want to do is connect this to what went on just prior to that. And we find uh, that uh, Brother Peter, in uh, verse number 36, it says, Simon Peter said unto him, the Lord, whether thou goest. Jesus answered him, whether I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Most of us know the account when Peter stood up and was ready to defend the Lord and say, Well, uh, I won't let this happen to you. And I share with you tonight that what I want to preach on tonight is not necessarily just the blessed hope. But I believe that there is a critical need and a critical danger to Bible-believing churches and Bible-believing people. And that critical area and that critical need and danger is the area of doctrine. I believe that we are living in a day when it seems to be... Um, it's fallen into disfavor to emphasize doctrine, to take a stand on, on scriptural doctrine, on what God has taken and taught you. 
You might think tonight, because I've said doctrine, the word doctrine that I'm preaching tonight, for these young fellows and men who have come from Heartland Baptist Bible College. But I share with you that that's not true. Because I believe that every Christian ought to be somewhat of a theologian. Every Christian should know what the Word of God says. Every Christian should have scriptural convictions that would enable them to live in a heathen society like ours and be faithful to Jesus Christ. I've been... Um, a preacher now 30 some odd years and what I found is that over the years it has seemed even among circles that you would not think it would happen it's come to that point to where it's sort of uh, looked upon with this favor to uh, make such a big thing about scriptural doctrine I share with you tonight my passage here Peter was filled with emotion. Peter was willing, in, in, one, in that moment at least, to go and, and if someone was going to strike a blow at the Lord Jesus, he was willing to get in front of the Lord and take that blow for him and even strike another blow for the Lord Jesus Christ. But I, I share with you, and, and I bring your attention to what Jesus says. He says in verse 1 of chapter 14, Let not your heart be troubled. Now, you might have thought that possibly it would be troubled in some ways of being uh, scared or, or being frightened or being unassured of what was going on. But I share with you tonight that I believe that wasn't Peter's problem. Peter's problem wasn't that he was afraid of someone. Peter's problem was that he was attempting to do the Lord's work in a fleshy manner. That he was attempting to do something for the Lord in a manner which the Lord would never intend for Peter to do. For it wasn't necessary to strike a blow for the Lord. It wasn't necessary to defend the Lord Jesus Christ. For truly, if Peter understood and believed what Jesus had been teaching, he would have understood that the Lord could have called the legions of angels to his rescue and his defense. He could have said the word and stopped any aggressor coming at him. For he was God in the flesh. But because Peter didn't, and because he did not fully understand and fully believe what Jesus had been sharing with him, he took the very ultimate consequences or result that he would otherwise have done, and that is to stand in the flesh. Surely he would not have been successful. But what we find is not only the Lord saying, and I believe that the Holy Spirit uses these words in verse 1. He also, if you note in verse 27, he uses this, uh, this phrase again. He, in verse 27 he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. And then he adds this. He says, neither let it be afraid. You see, if I can bring you back to verse number one, the real answer, the real answer for Peter was not that passionate, self-centered, fleshy response, but it was doctrine. 
scriptural doctrine. This time it related to Jesus' second coming. He is the blessed hope. The Lord Jesus is going to return. Jesus says to Peter, let not your heart be troubled. He goes on and he says, ye believe in God, believe also in me. And then he says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Doctrine. Christ is returning. Do you know it? Have you been, I know that you've been taught the doctrine, but is it in your heart? It's not some, some very um, cold doctrinal statement that uh, the church is going to place at one of these walls with 10 points or 15 points or 20 points. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking a doctrine that will be a part of your heart and soul. That when it comes time to make decisions, when it comes time to give direction in your life, that that doctrinal stand, that scriptural doctrinal stand, will, will motivate your heart, will guide your heart, so that you will continue to walk in a faithful manner to Jesus Christ. I just don't believe, I just don't believe that the average Christian is there. I believe that we are listening to the voices out here in the wilderness that we're listening to voices out here in this city and that we're listening to the ecumenical voices out here which speak of anyone attempting to say that there's only one way is the troublemaker, is the one that we don't want to be around. But I share with you tonight that there are not many ways to heaven. The Bible itself says, I am, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's not up for question. That's not up for discussion. That's not up for debate, Christian. That is doc scriptural doctrine which you and I must adhere to and believe with all our heart and, and move in this world with that in our hearts and minds. I share with you a newsletter from a young man that was my assistant 24 years ago. Fine young fella. Uh, as a matter of fact, I remember the day that he and his wife got married, and he invited my he, my my he wanted my family there, and he wanted us uh, there. And when it came time to to uh, to uh, take the pictures of uh, the wedding of the, the bride and the, the groom, he wanted my wife and I there as almost like his second mom and dad. And um, so that was that close of a relationship. <clears throat> Tonight, unfortunately, I cannot tell you that the young fella is sound in the faith. He, many years ago, uh, took a turn and went into an area what I call New Evangelicalism. And although I uh, had visited him a number of times and he and I discussed for hours... Uh, he would listen <clears throat> very politely and respectfully and uh, would seem to, to say yes to some of the things that I shared from the Word of God, and yet there was no change. This is a newsletter that he and his wife have sent out. They are missionaries going to Cambodia with a new evangelical mission board. 
I share with you because this reveals what I'm talking about tonight. Uh, you won't know who they are, and I won't even tell you the uh, mission board. Maybe I should, but this is part of their newsletter. They said, our pre-field training at CIT, the Center for Inter Intercultural Training, will be uh, two and a half months long. <clears throat> from June 7th to August 11th. We're, we'll be learning a lot of what, we t what to expect in new culture and how to manage the culture shock that will accompany that time. They also, and this is, they also, they'll also be teaching us the fine art of seeing things in our new culture as different rather than bad. One way of bringing that lesson home on a small scale is the requirement to attend a church while in North Carolina, which is out of our comfort zone. We attended a Pentecostal church with our teammates while we did two weeks of training in April. Maybe this will be our home church in the summer. Now, it all depends on how you react to that letter and that little statement I just read. If you react with how sad that is, then you understand a little bit about sound doctrine. If you reacted with, well, what's so wrong with that, then I may share with you that you really need to get into your Bible because something's not sound in your heart. I believe that the Word of God teaches. As a matter of fact, let me just read to you. You don't have to turn it if you don't want to. But out of Titus, out of Titus chapter 2, I read about the second coming, the blessed hope. And there it says this. It says, um, speaking about the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared. This is second Titus 2 verse uh, 12. It says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, if I read that correctly, part of living righteously, living godly in this present world, is looking for that blessed hope and understanding that that blessed hope that Jesus is coming again cannot be dissected, cannot be ripped off of doctrinal teaching. Either tonight you know that the Word of God proclaims that Jesus is coming back. And the Word of God, in fact, gives us details of how He's going to come back and what He's going to do with the church, rapture us out of here, and so forth or so on, and you believe it, you understand it, and maybe you don't fully comprehend everything, but by faith you receive it because it's the Word of God. And you have a scriptural conviction tonight of the blessed hope that Jesus is coming again. Because if tonight, if you do, that'll help you to be a better soul winner for sure. Because you don't know if he's going to come back even tonight. I mean, this service may not be completed. And we're going to get out of here. Because we're that close, I believe, Jesus could come back at any moment. But I believe tonight that what we as Bible-believing Christians need most than anything 
is to have some scriptural, doctrinal convictions deep in our heart and soul. I want to share some things with you about doctrine. And hopefully um, we'll be out of here in 20 minutes. Amen? Amen. You're, you're kind of a hard crowd, aren't you? Well, I got a hard crowd down in Philly, too. And uh, you know what? I get them to smile every once in a while. It's hard sometimes. I mean, you ought to see how to bring you all up here and let you look at yourselves. You're wondering, where is this guy? Where is he going? Let me share something about doctrine. May I suggest to you that doctrine ought to be over emotions? Amen? That sounds good. Praise God. Doctrine ought to be over your emotions. Now, I'm Puerto Rican. Amen? What do they say about Latins? They're very emotional. Amen. But I'm here to tell you that doctrine must be over emotions in our life. Tonight, my friends, the only way that you and I know that we are worshiping and we are walking with the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is doctrine. There are many spirits in this world, and living in the city, you know that. There are a lot of voices out here. And the only way that you can discern and judge whether they are true voices or not is the Word of God. Not your feelings, not your emotions, not what you think, not your reasoning. None of those things because they'll deceive you. It's doctrine. And it won't come easy. You've got to get in your Bible and the Bible has to get in you. And you've got to be in your local church and let your preacher preach to you, teach to you. Because I believe very firmly that God will do the work that He wants to do in your life only and online only about four times in your local church. I have a personal conviction. I believe that if God saves you and you get baptized in a local church, you get going on for God in a local church, and let's say the preacher might say good morning to you and he just didn't say good morning enough uh, with enough unction or uh, compulsion, and, and you say, well, I wonder why the preacher didn't just, uh, just uh, you know, fall all over me. And you say, I'm leaving. And you might go to old fluffy head Baptist church somewhere near here. And uh, the preacher might preach a little bit, pretty good messages. Not, 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 he won't teach heresy or anything. But I'm going to tell you something. I have a conviction and I can prove it from the word of God that God will never be able to do the work he'll be able to do once you leave this place. Because God's way is the way God will do His work. And God's way is the local New Testament church. Now, I'll leave that alone and we'll go on. I mean by doctrine, not some dry, boring, doctrinal creed where you read this and you memorize that, but a heartfelt and a heart-changing belief. B-E-L-I-E-F. Content. What is it that you believe in, of the second coming of Christ? 
What is it that you believe about the, the deity of our Savior, that He is God incarnate? What is it that you believe about the preservation of the Word of God? What is it that you believe about our eternal forever salvation that the Lord Jesus Christ saved us? What is it that you believe about faith? Well, my friend, doctrine must be over emotion. First of all, doctrinal truth, doctrinal truth will override a deceitful heart. The Bible teaches us in the Word of God over in Jeremiah 17 somewhere that our hearts are desperately wicked and deceitful, are they not? How are you going to even know your own heart? You don't even know your own heart. But I'm here to tell you that doctrinal truth will override a deceitful heart. Again, I pointed out to you, old brother Peter. I mean, he was raring to go, wasn't he? Peter was saying, there's nobody going to hurt you while I'm around. My son, do you think the Lord needed that? He didn't need Peter, did he? I think the Lord could defend himself if he had to. Just Peter didn't, didn't understand, didn't believe what the Lord had been telling him. Wasn't Peter around when, when the Lord woke up in that boat and the disciples woke above and said, Lord, look, don't you care? We're going to perish. Remember that? And Jesus said, oh, ye of little faith. And he stood, calmed the seas and the winds. And they truly were marveled then, didn't they? Didn't Peter remember that? Didn't Peter remember all of the times when, when they were uh, in, in a situation that could have turned a little ugly and the Lord just saw them right through that? Peter was going to defend the Lord? I don't think so. But you know, before you and I sort of uh, get down on Peter, may I suggest that probably every one of us would probably respond the same way. How many times have I not wanted to defend Jesus? One of the things that I learned real quick when I moved to Philadelphia was that every, every fella in Philly was either a Rocky or a, a Terminator. I remember walking down the street. I said, how, how, how are you today? The guy looked at me. He says, uh... Who are you? What do you want? And I said, no, no, I'm just, we're starting a church right over here. I don't want that. I said, okay. Right away I learned what brotherly, uh, what is it, uh, the city of brotherly love meant? It wasn't what I thought. But I soon learned that everybody was a Rocky or a Terminator. And sometimes that kind of s spirit rubs off on you. I remember one day looking out of the window of one of the homes that the church owned, 112. Pastor Dave lived there a while. That's right next to the mission, and it's a very difficult area. As I was looking out the window, just sort of taking in the sight, here was a fella breaking into one of our vans. We used to have to chain the hoods on our vans. So they wouldn't steal the batteries. Well, guess what this guy had? Cutter. And he was right there cutting, son. And I mean, he was going to town. 
before I say, hey, there's a guy stealing. And what did we do? I tell you the truth, I'd like to say to you that we went and tried to win them for Jesus. You know what we tried to do? We grabbed the baseball bats. We are going to beat his brains out. Now, is that what the Lord wanted us to do? I'm telling you, I, I mean, I, maybe I'm confessing. You have a confessional here? I'm telling you, you, you know, you get caught up in it. And don't tell me you don't either, but you do. The city just, you know, does that. And now we got ourselves, I mean, we caught ourselves. We got out there, and that, that guy was fast. I mean, he had the battery. You know how, how a battery? One of those heavier-duty batteries? And he was just a moving. We called them the Huffer Brothers. They had hit our vans for about six times, and the Huffer Brothers would, would sniff blue. And they get these batteries, and they sell them for harder drugs. And so it was the Huffer brothers, one of them, and he was so, I mean, he, but I, we caught ourselves and said, what are we doing? And I'm telling you what, we had to get right with the Lord. It wasn't uh, Jack. It was Jim Gabriels, the young man I just read to you about. He and I went out there, and we had to get right with the Lord because that's not what the Lord wanted. I mean, the Lord was the one that provided those batteries anyway, the ones that he stole. He, this guy was stealing from the Lord. We didn't have to worry about going out and beating this guy or getting the battery. We, we, our thinking was all twisted, out of sorts. We weren't doing the Lord's work. We were getting involved with the spirit of this world. And you see, the truth of the matter is, Christian, the only thing that will keep us straight is the Word of God. But I'll hear him tell you, and i got to go on because we're going to get out of here in about eight minutes. Doctrinal truth must override a deceitful heart. In, in Romans, let me just read to you one verse in Romans 6. It says in verse, um, oh, let's see, where is that? In verse 17, it says this. It says, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. I'm not talking about a doctrinal stand that just affects the brain or the mind. I'm talking about a doctrinal stand and scriptural truth that affects the heart. And that being a new creature in Christ strengthens you and matures you as a Christian. So that you, in the midst of a sea of people who really don't know where they're headed... Or where they're going. You and I do. We know that there's a heaven. We know that there's a savior. We know that there's a salvation. And we also know that the grace of God. Is there to reach out to the. To the most lost person in the world. To save him. And thank God someone took the time. To share the gospel with us. Amen. Or we wouldn't be here. Thank God that they shared the truth with us, didn't share their, their emotions, didn't share their feelings. I'm thankful the, the preacher that took the word of God and, and shared the gospel, the truth of the gospel, and that day I got saved. But I'm here to tell you, Christian, doctrine must, must be over your emotions. Let me give you a second point here. Not only is doctrinal truth... <clears throat> 
should override a deceitful heart. But I share with you this, that a doctrinal truth will keep a steadfast heart. You want a steadfast heart? Then doctrinal truth will do that for you. Emotions won't. You know that yourself. Sometimes you feel great. Sometimes you feel like you can go out there and just win everybody to the Christ. And then sometimes you don't even feel like talking to your brethren or your sisters here in the auditorium or maybe at the church function or something like that. And you know our emotions just seem to go up and down. But I'm here to tell you that doctrinal truth will keep a steadfast heart. <clears throat> Let me share with you uh, just a bit here. In Titus chapter 1. <laughs> this little pulpit really gets me. Amen. Titus chapter 1. Let me share just a couple of verses with you. I have a whole slew here, but um, I'll give you some. You won't stand for all of them. Amen. In Titus 1, in verse number 9, it says this. It says, uh, Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Look at verse number uh, 13. It says this, This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Look at chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith in charity and in patience. The Word of God again and again speaks of, of being sound in doctrine, sound in faith. One of the areas that was attacked in the early church was doctrine. We find that to be true in, in 1 Timothy. In 1 Timothy, there's a number of places that I can read to you. I'll just read to you one there in, in 2 Timothy chapter... Uh, or 1 Timothy chapter 4, in verse 1, it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. How are you going to know if you're under the influence of a devil? How are you going to know that? You're going to call your preacher? It'd be too late then. How are you going to know that? You're going to feel? There's only one way. Only one way that you're going to know whether the, that spirit that's speaking to you or trying to influence you is the Holy Spirit of God or is some devilish spirit. Don't tell me you're going to know anywhere else. Because your heart will deceive you. There's been some awful good men in the Word of God who are fine, far better men than I. And they were deceived. The Word of God is what we need in our life. Let me give you another one and we're moving in that direction. Amen? Not only is doctrine ought to be over our emotions, but I share with you this. Doctrine ought to define our experience. Whatever you experience in this, in this life. The Bible says in 
2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We study the word of God to be approved of God, not of men. And I share with you this, that we, we may experience a lot, of, a lot of things. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, it says this. In 1 John 4, it says, Beloved, believe not every spirit. So obviously, if the Holy Ghost of God is saying that to the Christian, then obviously we can get duped. But he says, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. Prove the spirits. How are you going to prove the spirit? It's by the word of God. It goes on and it says, prove, uh, try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it, is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. I believe very firmly that doctrine will define your day-to-day -day experience. Remember when Saul sought that uh, witch with a familiar spirit in the Old Testament, and I believe it was 1 uh, Samuel chapter 28, something like that. It almost seems as though God is uh, allowing Saul to do that. And a Christian might wonder, well, was it wrong or right? Well, the only thing you have to do is go to Leviticus and check to find out that it was sin. That it was wrong. The Word of God had already stated, had already settled the matter. And if, and if uh, old Saul would have looked up in his Bible and would have thought about searching the Scriptures, he would have known that that was sin. And you see, the truth of the matter is, is that you and I are in the same situation. Sometimes we go to, from day to day and we live our lives and... The only time that we ever think of what the Bible says is when we come to church. And the truth of the matter is, is that we ought to think of what the Bible says when we come to church. But my soul, if it don't get in our hearts and get out there when we're living, guess what? We're casualties already. Because I'll guarantee you this. You remember when uh, in the book of Acts there were uh, some brothers. Uh, uh, let me see what it was. Uh, uh, Skeev, was Skeva? Was it? Remember? Yeah, the seven sons of Sceva. They saw Brother Paul casting out all these devils. And man, they liked that. And so they went into this guy that they knew was filled with devils. And now uh, they went in and they were going to cast out those devils. And so the fellow that was filled with these devils says to them, Paul I know, and Jesus I know, 
but whom are ye? And he jumped on them seven brothers and beat them to a pulp, son. Beat them so badly, they tore their clothes off. They ran out of that place beat up and naked. Now, let me point something out to you. That, those devils and that fellow said, Paul, I know. Don't you think the devils know when they're dealing with a born-again Christian? Don't Listen, I, you might think this is spooky religion. Well, it might be spooky religion. But I'll guarantee you, I remember going down, driving down, and right there, there was this fellow. A couple of times this has happened to me. This fellow turn and look at me and curse and keep walking. And I don't know the fellow. Don't know him. Never have seen him. The only thing I can figure is that fellow was filled with legions of devils. And they knew that I was a preacher of the gospel. Now, you might say, that's spooky religion. Well, it might be, but I'm going to tell you something. We are in a spiritual battle. And if you don't, I'm sure you do out here, you know that you're in a, in a war. And what we need to do is to be sure that we're strong, that we're strong for the Lord Jesus, and that we're taking our stand in this day, because I'm going to tell you something, there's a lot of lost people out there that are going to go to hell. And sometimes there are families who need to be saved. And you need to be strong. And you need to stand on the word of God. And so that when they ask, they ask you a question of the hope that lies within you, you be ready with the answer from the word of God. Because it's only the word of God that will cut, cut to the very heart of the matter. And it's only Jesus that can change a heart. You and I can't do that. You know, we can counterfeit everything else. I can get a whole bunch of people in uh, the church... I could, I could even make people feel good and I can make people love me and just, I mean, it, it just, you would come to our church and think, boy, this is the greatest church ever lived. And everybody in the place be lost. But only Jesus can truly change a heart and change a life and save a soul forever. And so we've got to be sure that we're on Jesus' side. Amen. And that we have the power of God as we're moving along. Let me give you the last point, and we're closed. And that is this. Doctrine solidifies edification. You know, the Bible speaks about being edified. Ephesians chapter 4. Can I ask you to turn there, and then we'll close with this? You know, the church, uh, local church, has been given gifts, the pastor's a gift to this church. And he's got, he's got a task. According to Ephesians 4, verse number 12. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, it says this, For the perfecting, now of course in verse 11 it says about uh, the apostles, prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, and they're given to the local church, it says, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now I believe that word edifying 
the, the, the root meaning is build up, being built up. And I think there's two ways that local church is being built up, maturity in the Christians and numbers. I mean, the Lord's building his church, amen? Thank God this church is probably not the same size it was when it first started. Amen? By the grace of God it isn't. But it goes on, it says this, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the belonging of the Son of God unto a perfect man or a mature man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, may grow, mature, so that when, when someone comes with some false doctrine or some, some spirit comes to deceive you, you have the Word of God in your heart, soul, and mind, and you take your stand for Jesus, and you refute the false teaching. You know what? You might even be used of God to share the gospel and see someone get saved. I'll guarantee you this, friend. This, uh, this preacher, in my heart, I believe that this has been the, the, the purpose of the devil, the trick of the devil, and that is to get Bible-believing churches away from doctrine to where this young man, and I tell you the truth, it grieves my heart when I read this, read this letter because he's a fine young fellow. And I know his wife, she used to come down and work with our teens once in a while before they got married. But it grieves my heart. And you say, preacher, why, why is it so important that you really think they're going to win anybody to Jesus in Cambodia when they don't even know what they believe? Do you really? They might be able to go in and help those people feel better about themselves. But truly, a life-changing, a heart-changing, only Jesus can do that. And Christ doesn't compromise. My friend, I pray and I hope in my heart that if I stirred your heart for anything, it's been to get in your Bible and find out if this old preacher... What he's preached tonight is either true or false. Because if it's not in the Bible, then you forget about it. In fact, tell your, tell your preacher. Preacher, don't have that guy again. He didn't know what he was talking about. But if it's in the Bible, then you better heed what God has put in your heart and mind tonight. Because I'll tell you what, Christ is coming. I remember my mom and dad, thank God, my mom has been a faithful member of our church now for 11 years. My dad went home to be with the Lord four years ago. He was a member of our church. My mom got saved at the age of 57. My mother got saved at the age of 66. Oh, my dad got saved at the age of 66. My mom is 57, and I had the great privilege of baptizing them. They were Catholics. They got saved down in Florida at a church where I was an assistant pastor. You know why I believe they got saved? 
It was because Jesus had put some conviction in my wife's heart and in my heart about there was only one way. And their Jesus at that time was not the Jesus of the Bible. My dad said to me after he got saved, years later, I said, Dad, whatever, whatever made you listen to me when you wouldn't listen before? He said, Son, I saw that that was real in your life. And when I saw it was real, I began to think about it. You know what was real? I began living for the Lord. I stopped living for myself. And I said, Lord, take my life. And the day I did that, I started living, or at least I tried. And God convicted my mom and dad's heart, and they got saved. Friend, don't you know I'm thankful to the Lord for that? I remember having the funeral at our church and being able to say that my dad, he was 87 years old, that my dad went home to be with Jesus. You don't know how much peace that brings my heart even when I'm saying it tonight. Doctrine. Doctrine. The blessed hope is one of many doctrines in this blessed book. Let's pray. Lord, I'm thankful for this church and for these dear people who, Lord, just seem to, to listen, to put up with this preacher. Thank you for this church and pastor and family that he has. Lord, I, I don't need to ask you to bless them because you already have been and will continue. I just want to thank you for them, Lord. Use the Word of God to stir us, not in emotions. But Lord, I pray may it, may it cause us to draw nigh unto you. And thank you for the promise that you have already said you'll draw nigh unto us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take just a moment. And if you need to come and pray... Let's not wait on the, on the music tonight. Let's just step out of our seat, come down, spend some time at an old-fashioned altar. Let's talk to God and do business with